Welcome to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and the Sportsnet app. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you for the next uh, 25 to 30 minutes after a Blue Jays 16 to 4 spring training win over the Phillies down in Dunedin. You can give us a call to weigh in on anything Blue Jays related. It doesn't have to be a spring topic. Anything you want, Blue Jays, give us a call 416 870 star 590 on your cellular device. You can also reach us on the people's text line 590-590 and please leave your name and location. Uh, ben, before we get to the actual individual players, I want to obviously we'll discuss Bassett and Barrios making his final spring start. We'll talk about your sleepers and get to some of the other uh, topics we were kind of chatting during the game about. But one, one thing I saw in this game, which I honestly thought was really interesting, was the pitchers using the pitchcom device to call their pitches. Like instead of the catchers calling the pitches and punching in the buttons on the little pad, uh, the pitchers are doing it. I thought that was interesting because you could see the device on their gloves. I believe Zach Wheeler did it. And Buck and Ben talked about it during the telecast. I, I believe Chris Bassett also did it himself. They, they punch in their code. The catcher gets the information relayed to them instead of vice versa. It is kind of cool, but at the same time, I do honestly wonder how much that might mess with some guys because not only do they have to actually physically deliver a pitch to the catcher, but they also have to be doing this in now what is a much more compressed time with the pitch clock. Yeah, I thought Buck made a a very good point. There's just so much already going on in the mind of a pitcher. Like you mentioned, the pitch clock being introduced now. Already you have to worry about runners a lot of the time. Now you have to worry in a new way because of the disengagement rules. So it's it's interesting. I'm all for trying stuff. I don't know 100% what you accomplish with it, though, because... In my mind, still, a pitcher does call his own game, even when a catcher's calling it. Right. Because a pitcher can wave off his catch. Pretty much every pitcher, maybe not a, you know a rookie and Yadier Molina, but pretty much every pitcher can wave off any sign if they really don't want to throw the pitch and at least bring the catcher out to talk to them. About yeah, exactly. Let me look, look, Craig Kimbrell saw some time in this game and he waved off like a whole bunch of pitches yeah. before he threw even <laughs> his very first pitch. Right. So I think you're, you're still going to see that. Obviously I just thought, I guess it's just something they're just experimenting with. For sure. and it may not make its way all the way to the major leagues for every single pitcher in terms of the regular season. But uh, I, it's, it's just interesting to see because I guess they're just trying different ways of utilizing pitch com, which I think has helped. Some guys, not and not everyone even uses pitch comp to begin with, right? Yeah, and everyone's always going to look for every edge. How, yeah. How's the best way I can use this? And a lot of people saw a viral clip of Max Scherzer where he's found ways to kind of manipulate pitch clock timing right. to make hitters uncomfortable. So I, I totally understand trying something like this, seeing if there are advantages. And, and with the pitch comp coming in, it's funny, like it'll almost get glossed over. It came in last year, but such big changes this year. Guys are probably still getting acclimated. So are teams and who knows what different ways they can use the technology. I mean, the pitcher and catcher aren't the only ones with a little piece of technology on them as certain fielders get to hear stuff too. Right. And who knows what could come from that? There definitely are some ideas that we haven't thought of and that probably a lot of people haven't thought of that I'm sure are good ideas that are going to come out with using the pitch comm in different ways. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. I, I just, I do wonder how much the Blue Jays pitchers will use it, for example. Like Bassett, let's get to Bassett and we'll, we'll do Burrios afterwards because Bassett, I thought, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, you and I were talking about this and Arden mentioned this on the telecast as well, but his fastball velo was a touchdown from, like, I think, to about 90 miles an hour. And 
I mean, he had like a pretty good outing today. I would say three innings pitch. He allowed three hits, two earned runs. He allowed a walk. He had three strikeouts as well. And I think Bassett's an interesting guy because obviously for any new acquisition, you kind of look to see what you're going to get, get yourself into for those who are not super familiar with his game. Maybe AL baseball watchers are a little more familiar with Bassett. I know he played for the Mets, but he also played a long time for the Oakland A's. So maybe there is some level of familiarity there, even if Oakland is on the West coast, but he, he's the kind of guy who you can, especially in the last couple of years, you could basically just pencil him in for like 150 innings. Like the guy has been very durable. He's been very present, certainly. Right. So, and like a mid three ZRA, right? It's 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 quality innings. So he's one of those people that I think you try not to on the good or bad reacts too much to the spring training results, because I'm sure he's had good and bad spring training starts the last four years. And he's managed to come out and for multiple teams, like you said, in different leagues and different divisions, be able to be successful, but yeah, he was solid today. And the, the point you mentioned with the velocity, I saw a very good tweet from sports. Chris black that had mentioned that last year. I, I don't know how he finds all this data, but last year uh, <laughs> at the final spring start of 2022 Bassett had a 90.3 fastball average velocity. And then his average fastball velocity jumped all the way to 92 and a half for his first regular season start. So it, it may not necessarily be something that was happening to Bassett as much as it was something that Bassett had decided to do, put a concerted effort into maybe not stressing his arm or I I don't know the reason, but looking at those numbers last year, it does seem like it could be an intentional thing rather than something that just kind of happened today. I think the, the interesting thing about Bassett's outing today was, like I said, he was using the, the pitch comm device. He was also telling Danny Jansen where he wanted him to sit behind the plate, essentially. And I mean, like where he wanted him to get set up, essentially. We all we know that all pitchers are different, but a lot of the Blue Jays beat we're seeing out of camp so far, like even before today, where was that Bassett is very particular as it relates to what he wants his catchers to do and how he wants them to prepare with him. I, I found that interesting because I wonder as spring training continues and Jansen probably will continue to catch for him. Like maybe we see some Rob Brantley starts in spring training specifically, but by the time the season starts, you, you know, even though Kirk is now ramping things up, he is going to be, is, those are going to be the two, two starting catchers, Danny Jansen and, sure. and Alejandro sure. Kirk, obviously it's not a, a big hot take or anything, but if Jansen continues to catch for Bassett because Kirk is ramping things up, I do wonder if by the time we get to the regular season, if Jansen is to, to borrow the term from last year, like if, if he's Bassett's like personal. Catcher. Uh, yeah. It, it seems like it would lean that way yeah. with a guy like Bassett, right? Like if, if, if he's going to be at his best with something particular, it, it just might be a more efficient use of time yeah. to focus that on one. Now I had mentioned before the game, probably good for whoever isn't catching him all the time to still be familiar oh, with yeah. some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Danny Jansen got injured last year and you know, there were people catching people that they hadn't caught before, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it does seem like Bassett could be someone who would prescribe to having a personal catcher. You just don't want to have that too much because, you know, if Ryu comes back, now he That's is true. pitching to Jansen yeah, too. Yeah. Is Manoa going to pitch all the time to the same guy or can he mix it up? So you want Kirk catching some of the time too, for sure. And, yeah. and he is working on his catching and improving. So it's good, but you don't want too many personal catchers. Yeah, exactly. You don't want you don't want it to be like pigeonholed into only certain guys can catch on certain days, and if like starts get pushed back or if things have to be changed for whatever reason, or injuries like, or if whatever. If you like Jansen against this pitcher, you right. want this matchup. You want to be able to use him. Right, right. And even if it's DH spot, like maybe you don't want him to DH that day because then he's on his legs too much still and stuff like that.
That's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. You can text us as well, 590-590, name and location. Eddie calling in from Fort Erie. Eddie, how's it going, man? Uh, good show. And Ben, how are you guys today? We're doing good, well. Thank you. How's it going? How do you enjoy the game today? Game was great. You know, I, I, I never get tired of watching uh, spring baseball or any kind of uh, baseball, you know, whether spring or nationally, whatever. You know me, I'm always into it. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, about the game today, because I was watching Otto Lopez uh, play. He came in, obviously, um, in the, I, don't, I don't remember what inning it was, but and he's, I saw him hit another uh, uh, ball to the gap, and he drove in more runs. And I'm thinking to myself, where is Ernie Witt going to put him in the lineup next week against Great Britain because he's been hitting the ball all over the place, like I said, and it just makes me wonder where he's going to put him. I mean, he doesn't have but like, first of all, he doesn't have to worry about where he's going to put Tyler O'Neill and Freddie Freeman in the lineup. It's just a question of where he's going to put guys like uh, Lopez and uh, Toro and, and, and Bo Naylor, the uh, catcher for the Guardians, you know, the, the young catcher, you know. It, I, so I'm really anxious to find out where he's going to put uh, Lopez in the lineup next week. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is, is Jose Bautista going into the level of excellence. You know what? I could not be more happy for him because when I think of Jose Bautista as a Blue Jays fan, I think of a whole lot of things. I mean, obviously, um, the home run against uh, the Rangers, I mean, nobody can forget that one. But I always think about what he did that started because he – had like like when he was there in 2010, you know, we saw the 50 home runs and all that. But and he was the one person that we were drawn to 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 watch because when Halliday left, God rest his soul, to, to, to get when he got traded to the Phillies, we didn't know who to like uh, enjoy watching. And then when he came, uh, like to to take his place, basically, he was must see television. I mean, he was hitting home runs almost every at bat, and it just made him feel good. But you kept thinking to yourself, he never had that one defining moment. Sure, the 50 home runs were good, but he didn't have that defining moment until the playoffs in 2015. That's what I'm going to remember about Jose Bautista. Hey, Eddie, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for calling into Jay's Talk. I, um, I, I think that's a great point by Eddie as far as Jose goes. I mean, you, I think Roy Halladay was traded in 2009, I want to say. And 08 was when Jose was traded to the Blue Jays in the first place. So there was like a teensy bit Tiny, of overlap. But he wasn't but starting at that point. Yeah, exactly. So like with no, once Holiday was out the door. It's right at the end of Vernon too. Vernon was an all-star in 2010. That's right. credit, but it's right near the right end. Right the end, yeah. And so I think it's a good point because Jose was emblematic of that era of Blue Jays baseball right up until, like Eddie mentions, the bat flip. And then the very next year with the... Uh, the, the walk-off for Edwin Encarnacion in the wild-card game against the O's and the whole Zach Britton thing, right? Like, like that, that era of Blue Jays baseball, it certainly culminated in the 2015-2016 runs, which was a thrilling ride for everyone. But um, I think it's it's well-deserved, him getting inducted into the, uh, I guess, uh, I guess you don't get inducted into the level, uh, onto the level of excellence. Yeah, onto the, <laughs> you're placed not, yeah, on. Yeah, play your, your name is on top of, not in it. But <laughs> I, um, seeing it for him, it's it does feel like it is, well overdue. It's a topic we kind of felt was 
when and not if. And yes. now it is happening Saturday, August 12th. If you missed it, that's the day they're going to be uh, unveiling his name, I suppose, on the level of excellence. Uh, pull back the giant curtain. There's a, a, a bat flip bobblehead that will be given away that day as well. First 15,000 fans in attendance uh, for Jays Cubs, 3 Eastern 12 Pacific on uh, on on the 12th of August. So I'm in, I'm 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 going to be there more than likely. Uh, maybe you will too, Ben. I'll try to be. If if I'm not working, maybe I'll make it down there for fun. There you go. So I, I think it's they're always fun 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 experiences. Let's say because the Blue Jays do do a lot of cool things. Like I remember I was there for the Russell Martin. Uh, like the, it wasn't really like he wasn't getting his jersey retired, but he was getting like his number honored, I suppose. And he had like the that was cool because he had the baseball Canada, like half baseball Canada, half Blue Jays jersey, yeah. and like a framed thing that they they handed to him. And he was present for O Canada and all these things. It was cool. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do for Jose. I'm sure he will. I'm sure maybe John Gibbons will be in attendance and some of his old teammates. Uh, it'd be it'd be a fun kind of way to reminisce about one of the more exciting, relatively recent eras of Blue Jays baseball. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, interesting to see which of the guys uh can come back that that would be a lot of fun to get i mean the funny thing is you know it's been a while and it also hasn't a lot of the guys are still in the majors yeah, right now. True. so obviously yeah. you know like I, i'm you know marcus Stroman's probably busy that day or something like that but there are still uh a handful of guys that hopefully well, will a, be there it is a cubs game so I oh wonder, wait you're right i, I you're wonder, right. You're I wonder right. if marcus uh, Stroman's busy yeah, being uh, in toronto yeah, so i want maybe maybe <laughs> they'll just maybe they'll just line it up so Either he does pitch that day, so he's guaranteed to start, or that, that they, or they gave, gave they give Stroman the day off so that he can partake in some kind of pregame ceremony because he was a big part of of some, sure. some of that era of Blue Jays baseball, I'd say as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm quickly scanning the Cubs roster to make sure I didn't miss someone <laughs> else who might have been a part of that 2015 team because that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, he. I'm assuming he will join whatever teammates are there when they do a ceremony for Jose because that would be. A lot of fun. Yeah, Saturday, August 12th. You can circle that date in your calendar. Um, speaking of current Blue Jays pitchers, I did want to get back to today's game. Um, Jose Barrios started today's game. He, I believe that is now his uh, final start of the spring campaign, unless something really changes. But he is going to be off in a couple of days. I think the 7th is when the uh, World yes, Baseball Classic yeah. starts. And he is going to be one of the main pitchers for Team Puerto Rico. So he is uh, he's out of there. He is uh, out of the Blue Jays lineup for now. He, he got he got touched up to start in the first inning today, Ben, but he allowed that like he allowed that two run bomb to Schwarber pretty much right away. It was Trey yeah. Turner got on base. Schwarber hit a two run bomb immediately. And then it, it, it kind of looked like things might unravel. He recovered and yeah. he regained the control over the next two innings, right? He allowed five hits. The two runs were obviously both earned two walks, two strikeouts over three innings, 47 pitches thrown and 27 of them were strikes. I'm, I'm curious what you made of the of the recovery after that first uh, that first couple of mis- couple of miscues. Very strong, I thought. And yeah, his his location was much better. I mean, it, it was said on the broadcast today that breaking ball was a big focus. Depth of breaking ball, trying to get more vertical break on his curveball. So I, I think that goal looked pretty solid to me. I thought he threw a lot of good breaking balls today. I actually looked at the Schwarber pitch and then in the second inning, a single that he gave up to Hicks and both of those look like fastballs. So, so a different thing, right. obviously just cause you're working on your breaking ball, you don't want to be giving up hits on fastballs, but uh, perhaps today, some of the hits given up early on were not necessarily the pitches that he was most tuned in on because it's hard to conceive of, but in spring training, it's not necessarily, I need to punch this guy out. It's what is my goal today? Yeah. You want to punch the guy out in the process but what is the goal today? And, and if the goal for him and Pete Walker was to throw good breaking balls, 
then I think he accomplished that because I thought his breaking ball looked good all day. He spoke to the media. They do this in spring training. They don't speak to the media like right after the ball game ends. They kind of speak once they're done for the day. So Barrios did speak to the media more or less right after the third inning. Uh, so I grabbed this clip. Let's play a little bit of it. This is Barrios speaking to the media right after he was done his appearance today. I've been feeling pretty well. I mean, we bring a plan and we're trying to execute it. I live like some of a change up like really like up in the sun, but other than that, I, I think I really work well with the fastball both sides of the play and my breaky pitch. Been feeling pretty well. I mean, uh, today was hot out there. Uh, the weather being like challenging me, but I, I, I think I can be work around that and we, we make some quality pitches. So he was asked about the fastball command, and he seemed to f- he seemed to feel pretty good about it. All yeah. things considered, could and have I been think- a changeup that I thought was a fastball. To be fair to Schwarber, and 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 to be and look look he this is someone Jose Barrios. I think the expectations for him are well. It's interesting. I think the expectations of him yeah, sh- probably are higher because of the way the season went last year, but because of Bassett's presence on this roster, I do kind of wonder if people have essentially tempered expectations. Like you hope for a bounce back and you hope for the the pitches to to break more. Like you mentioned Chris Black earlier. Chris had a great thread during the season last year of like the record that Burrios has in games and the amount of runs he's allowed when his pitch like breaks to like a certain amount of run in terms of inches one way and so on. And so you that's what you want to see. You want to see the breaking ball really break. He talked about the weather today and sometimes that can be a factor as well. But yeah. uh I, I like you said, he the first thing he said when he went up to talk to the media today was we had a game plan and we went out and executed it. So it's not that they went necessarily went up to just strike every single pitcher out for three innings. And, and P Walker talked about it uh, to Ben and Buck in that very short half inning as well today during the game. But uh, they, they have a very specific idea of what they need from these guys in spring training. And, I guess the recovery after the Kyle Schwarber bomb, I think was relatively promising. Yeah. And the lead up to it in in his defense, I mean, is, is not awesome. Like a single right off the bat and then an error puts a runner in scoring position. So all of a sudden, you know, if it's just a runner on first, you're like, okay, I get a ground ball double play, or at least cut down the lead runner. We can get back into this inning. Now it's like, okay, if I get a ground ball to anywhere, but the left side, this guy's moving to third and then a fly ball will score him. And it just, who knows? Maybe they stuck fully to the game plan. Maybe it changes the way you pitch. I'm not sure. And then, you know, Kyle Schwarber led the national league in home runs last year. So <laughs> yeah. it's not exactly like while Aaron judge was shattering records, he still hit, I think 46 last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, you know, that's what he gets paid to do almost entirely. So it's not a terrible day. If Kyle Schwarber hits a home run off you. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber is going to, uh, like Ben said, during the, during the game, he's going to like batting like in the top three for the Phillies, yes. basically all year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as he did, as he did last year, it's only gotten easier. If anything, yeah, it's True. Yeah. Trey Turner slots in there. There's just more guys <laughs> behind you now. It, it's it's going to be uh, the Phillies are going to be good, but the Blue Jays handed it to them a little today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Boy, sixteen to four. Boy. I mean, I know a lot. I was of trying that, to be nice. I, 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 know, I know a lot of that comes off of like the not the non major leaguer components, and I guess that's just a part of spring training. But, I but mean, Zach Wheeler got hit. He did. For what yeah. it's, and again, when we talk about it not mattering as much that Jose Barrios gets hit, it's the same thing for Wheeler. He had a game plan, but. He didn't make it out of two. He gave up seven runs and recorded four outs. The the relievers I thought looked a little better, especially the guys who for the for the Phillies who you saw in the World Series, like the run up to the World Series yes. last year, like yeah. the Alvarados of the world and the Dominguez's of the world, for example, right? Like all all things. They're considered. major league guys, yes, like exactly. for sure. Roster spot got like Kimbrel was good. Uh, well, he dealt with some trouble, but he got some strikeouts. Um, yeah, they're they're real feature guys. 
pitched pretty well today. Well, the two guys we saw for the Blue Jays in their bullpen that will probably factor in pretty heavily uh, during the season. Well, we certainly saw Anthony Bass and he made quick work of the uh, of the Phillies. We saw Eric Swanson close things out. We'll get to him in a sec. And the guy we did not see that we, I think we expected to see was Nate Pearson. There was a chance. Where, there's a time early on when Barrios looked like he may not get out of that. Maybe it was the second inning. Maybe, second, maybe it was the third. I inning. think it was the third. I think it was the third. And he he was warming up and he was throwing pretty hard. And then we did not end up seeing Nate Pearson because Barrios. I think he induces the double play. He gets yeah. out of it. The inning ends. He's done for the day. It's too bad because I did want to see the kind of stuff Nate Pearson, uh, you know, after after we all talked about it last weekend in his first appearance of the spring. But I guess it makes sense to not have a guy not only not warm up twice, but a guy with his injury history. You don't yes. want you don't want someone yeah. like that potentially risking really anything at this point of the spring campaign. Yeah. Warming up takes more out of someone's arm than people might realize. I mean, that's, that's 20, 25 pitches at least that a guy's probably throwing and more throws than that. Cause he's soft tossing earlier before he gets into a game. And you said Nate Pearson injury history. We're all begging to see more on tape. We want to see it all because we've had a lot of injuries that we've seen from him, which has prevented us from seeing Nate Pearson. But putting him into a position to get hurt again is the last thing uh, that the blue Jays are obviously trying to do. (laughs) So yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. And they have an off day tomorrow, perhaps because he didn't end up pitching. He's good now to go the day after like on Tuesday or something. Yeah. 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 I I do. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him on, on Tuesday when one of those day games between now, Um, again, there's, there's so much time. It's March 5th. The regular season doesn't begin until March, I think 30th. So there's still, there's still a lot of time left before opening day. Um, but I, I, I did like selfishly want to see Nate Pearson just because sure. I enjoy sure. talking about him, but uh, it's, 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 uh, it's probably the right move to not have him warm up again. Um, we did see Bass and Swanson. Yes. And I think that the addition of Swanson, Ben, to this bullpen is going to be a fascinating one. He closed things out today for the final frame. I wonder what his place in the bullpen will be and how his presence effectively reorders the existing order in the bullpen because like we were talking about this off air, but I do see Jimmy Garcia for me. I like his role as the setup guy. I thought he was very efficient as a setup guy for like for like 99% of the time last year. Um, he got hit like most hitters, do, like most pitchers do like at some point in the season. But basically after he got, remember that time he got ejected from, yeah. from, uh, from one of the games after he got ejected, he was probably one of the best pitchers outside of Jordan Romano in the entire bullpen for most phenomenal. of the year. Yeah. He yeah. was, he was terrific. I, I thought he did a very good job last year. I mean, th- there doesn't have to be an express this guy takes right. the eighth inning. And right. I think last year at times, maybe there was too much of that. Like Romano and Garcia had to work a lot, a lot of days in a row at different stretches in the year. It's probably better. Now Romano's going to close games for you. For That's sure. that is what it is, except when it's three days in a row and occasionally when it is three days in a row. But if you can have Garcia one day and then, you know, if he has to pitch the next day, then you throw Swanson in or if Swanson's pitching well, then he becomes the guy that you pitch back to back days and Garcia's the other guy and heck Anthony Bass can do it too. And there's some other guys who they've trusted in that type seen of Simber in, in, in some of those leverage Certainly. situations, I right? Simber pitched pretty much anywhere they needed him to yeah. last year. So he, he could definitely do that again. I, I, I mean, Swanson's certainly a leverage reliever. Like if he comes in before the seventh inning, it's probably surprising. I think at least in my opinion, right, but, right. but does he have to be the eighth inning guy every night? I don't think so with the way Garcia pitched last year. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Like when, when you th- talk about the way the bullpen is constructed now, they added Swanson, 
they well, you, I'm not, not going to say like got rid of Phelps because he just he retired, he retired. right? <laughs> yeah, but, but they swapped. They, that. Yeah, those that those are the, that's like the out and that's the in when it comes to Phelps and then Swanson and and then you maybe the Swanson presence. Yeah, like maybe it does reorder Garcia to the seventh inning sometimes. Maybe instead of going Jimmy Garcia game one of a series, Jimmy Garcia game two of a series, and Eric Swanson in game three, maybe you can go Garcia Swanson Garcia. Yeah. Maybe you can go Swanson Swanson Garcia. Maybe Bass. Maybe you go <laughs> Garcia Bass Swanson or whatever. Any mix of that. Simber, like you said, is being mixed in there. Tim Meza obviously is going to be For mixed sure. in there he as well. He some leverage last year. Yeah. So I I, I think I, I honestly do think even though maybe the bullpen. And then we, we just talked about Nate Pearson. He probably will play some kind of role at some point in the in the major league season. I'm a more of a fan of letting him start the year with the major league club and letting him figure out figure it out in the majors versus sending him down to the minors again and saying, hey, you need to earn it again to come up. I would rather personally see him start the the season with the major leagues. But let's just say for the sake of argument, Pearson's involved in there as well. He like the, I know the complaint is that the team doesn't have a lot of like real flamethrowers, right? But I, I love to use He's the example, but he is, he <laughs> yeah. is. And Swanson and other guys, Bass have some good stuff as well. So and the closer I, throws a hundred. You got Jordan Romano yeah. as well. <laughs> like, I, I feel pretty confident in saying the bullpen is a very good bullpen. Yeah. I think like you have to let it play out, but I think it's, I don't think I'm being bullish in saying it's a top third bullpen, sure, like top okay. 10 of the 30 teams. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe it's on the fringe. Like, I don't think it's a top three bullpen, sure. but like you said, you add Eric Swanson again, you're not removing David Phelps, but he retired. Phelps was one of your lower leverage guys. Yep. Now you had a high leverage guy. So not only do you improve potentially your setup man spot, if Swanson can even improve on the job Garcia did, everyone is kind of bumped down, which yeah. in turn, improves all those spots it's like when you add kevin gosman now your number one potentially is your number two starter and your two is your three so you're better at all five spots just for adding one guy so i just think they set up in such a better spot than they did the beginning of last year because they added bass mid-year too now you have bass and swanson two leverage guys plus if they're in the race which i mean it would be a big shock if they weren't in the race i have yet to see a contending team not at a reliever at the deadline. Yeah, Everyone yeah. does. And now they can do it from a place of want instead of last year where sometimes it felt like they were doing it from a place of need, need when they yeah. picked up bass. Yeah. Like Phelps, I'm not saying this in a, in a really negative way, but I, he, he was, he was called upon at times last year to really be a firefighter and when, sure. with action on bases. And that's just, that was not really his strength. And I think now that Swanson is present, they don't have to use guys in, in positions that they're not always they may not be comfortable in for sure. For sure. And Phelps to his credit actually put up good numbers yeah, last yeah. year, but yeah, Swanson is a, a, a typical, at least for last year, high leverage reliever. He fits in that spot. He's pitched in those positions. He's someone that, that your game plan dictates should come in at that time. And obviously, I mean, they traded the, the final year of Tay Oscar Hernandez's contract to pick up Eric Swanson for more years, but still they traded one of their better hitters. So yeah. He's someone that they definitely are going to prioritize, uh, and and he pitched pretty well today. Yeah, he did. I would I would definitely agree with that. Uh, let's that's Ben Schulman. Let's take a very quick break, and when we come back, we we, we just been talking about pitching so far. We I know. Get to the <laughs> get to the position players. They did uh, wanna, score sixteen. Today. They did score sixteen <laughs> runs, and those none of those runs came off of bats of pitchers. So uh, we will chat about. Uh, I want to get to Nathan Lucas or Elvis Martinez banged a three run bomb late in this game. Uh, we got an Otto Lopez comment from Eddie and Fort Erie. Want to talk about him as well, and certainly the regulars, uh, Santiago Espinal. 
Colin, Danny Jansen making some plays today um, all over the place. So uh, still a lot to come on Jay's Talk. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you for another couple of minutes. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to Jay's Talk, streaming live on the Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca, and of course, across the Sportsnet radio network. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you for another 10, 15 minutes or so as we discuss the 16-4 Blue Jays spring training win over the Philadelphia Phillies in Dunedin, Florida. Zach Wheeler got touched up a little bit. Uh, the, the Phillies relievers, a little bit less so until, well, okay, they're major league relievers, a little less so yes. until, yeah. <laughs> until the minor league guys came in and uh, they, the Blue Jays teed off on them as well later in this ball game, but 16 to four, the final uh, still some time to shoot us a text five ninety five ninety name and location, please. We'll get some of those in before we go. If there's any ones you want us to read. Um, look, I wanted to get to the position players with you, Ben. We spent the first segment of the show largely talking about the the pitchers and, and so on the the pitchers using the pitch com devices and so on. But the, the, the position players that stood out to me today, uh, especially of the guys who are not necessarily regulars, because we can talk about Santiago Espinal, and he continued his terrific spring. But can he, I sprinkle a tiny Dalton Varsho in there? Sure, Two for please. three with the diving yeah, catch. Yeah, we we absolutely will. We will get to all the regulars. But I I, I do want to. I just uh, Nathan Lucas is someone I wanted to start with with you, just because in the pregame show we were discussing the final spot on the roster being up for grabs because like the Espinals. The VAR shows, the the Danny Jansons, even like Kevin Bijou, like these guys are on the team. They've it's, made the team. It feels like it's 25 of 26. That's kind of what it, it does kind of feel like that. So when it comes to the guys who are still have some question marks, maybe hovering over their heads, like I had seen a text earlier from, I think it was, here it is, from Chuck in Oshawa. Uh, I'm hoping it's Nathan Lucas. I like him. We need a homegrown outfielder to step up and be an affordable quality player in the near future. I said to you that I still lean Otto Lopez like a teensy bit, but seeing Lucas move around out there and doing some things, not just on the base pass, not just in the outfield, but with the bat, the plate does kind of make you wonder how close it might be. Yeah. He definitely put on a good show today. If you were looking to decide on on his fate, this would be a pretty good resume to submit. I mean, he had the great relay in the first inning that got the first out for the blue Jays. They badly needed that one Uh, picked up a big hit. He's intriguing. I, I think, I think, the battle could be, I don't know. So Lopez is, is more proven at least in his brief stints with the Jays as a hitter, I would say than Lucas is, Sure, but Lucas is probably more proven as an outfielder. Lopez has played in the outfield, but he also has spent a lot of time in the infield. Whereas Lucas, I mean, they started him in center field today and he's played primarily outfield. So I don't know which one they would favor more because they truthfully have a lot of good defensive outfielders already. So it might not be the case where you typically put in a fourth outfielder to be a good defender. I mean, Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermaier, those two are close to as good as it's going to get. So does that give Lopez an edge because he can hit a little bit more or do they still, you know, with the fact that you don't know, like Kiermaier is healthy now, but he had a pretty big injury last year and he's advanced in age. Do you want someone who can play center field that would skew more to Lucas. So I, I they both keep playing really well. They I do. mean, they are definitely, <laughs> they, really do. they are definitely putting uh, some tough questions in front of the front office. And I don't know how any of this battle is impacted by the fact that Lucas will stay with the team and Lopez will leave the team now to go play for team Canada. Yeah. I am. I am curious because we've seen 
John Schneider give Otto Lopez some time at different positions, like you're saying. He got some time in center field. He played some time at short a couple of days ago. He's been playing. He's been given all of the various positions he can handle, and John Schneider has been pretty effusive in his praise of Otto Lopez because he's a mature young man. He can he can handle everything we throw at him, but also mindful of the of how they're going to use him for Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic in a couple of days. So it, it does make you wonder. Like I do, I do kind of wonder. But I, I, having said that, I, I do kind of wonder maybe how much they'll just keep an eye on what he looks like for Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic against. I don't know if like Great Britain, for example, is going to be the team you're really evaluating players like against. Like the Venezuelans but, but yeah, yeah. of the world, stuff yeah, like Puerto that. Rico, and 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 eventually team Italy is usually pretty good. Actually, yeah, and when you get you eventually get up to the USA and the Dominican as well, who are obviously the top two teams. Um, it'll be curious to see how someone who is like right on the cusp of being called up to the majors handles it. Essentially, I will say good news for Chuck: both Otto Lopez and Nathan Lucas homegrown outfielders. Yeah, so he, yeah. he will be satisfied there. I guess he's probably rooting against my sleeper uh, who was <laughs> a free agent acquisition in Winton Bernard. Winton Bernard. Like he who also he, had a hit in two RBIs. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he laced that ball into yeah. left field corner with the bases loaded. Like I know he was your sleeper, but like, in limited action, like, he looked pretty good and he has some very good speed. I, I do think if you're like power ranking the guys to make it to that last roster spot, he is probably below both Lopez and Lucas and may, like, he might, he might honestly be even below like an Addison Barger, for example. But yeah, I, I it's, it's nice to see that because they still need quality depth players like that. Yeah. I, I think like truthfully, he's my sweeper sleeper. I don't think he's going to get it. Right, I, right. I would lean probably that he's a Buffalo guy, but like on the first call up list. Sure. Right. You know, Cause he's, Lopez is 24. Lucas is 26. They could come up conceivably break in and get a role over a number of years that turns them into a starting player on this team. It could happen for Winton Bernard, but he's 32. It's a very different situation. Yeah. So he could be someone too, who, you know, you're not worried about stuff like rule five and their minor league contract ending and stuff like that, where you are with Lopez and Lucas and you need to find out more. You Bernard could be more content in AAA, and then you could call him up when you need him. Like I, I would bet that Winton Bernard dons a Blue Jays jersey this year. I just probably wouldn't bet that it's opening day. Opening day, right, right. No, it's true. Look, one, one other guy. When it comes to again, the, to use the phrase power rankings for who makes that final roster spot, I think that, like there's a not again a non-zero chance is probably how I would describe it for <laughs> Winton Bernard. Yes, it's probably how I would also describe it in a much different sense for someone like Aurelvis Martinez, because yeah. he, he's, he is their top ranked prospect, like by a lot of metrics, even when you include the discussion for Addison Barger and Ricky Tiedemann, Aurelvis Martinez is a higher ranked prospect than the two of them. And we saw like hit the most tantalizing part of his game. We saw it today was a monster three run bomb in the seventh inning. Like he effortlessly crushed that ball out of TD ballpark. Essentially. It is easy to forget that he is just 21 years old because we've been talking about his power. That's been so effortless for a couple of years. Like he'll be 22 this year, but not until November. So pretty much he'll play until, the whole season. Yeah, 21. He'll be 21 for the whole year. Well, after the season is over is his birthday. He strikes out a lot as well. And we did see him make a kind of a strange ish play at third today where he kind of lunged forward late and the runner got on their safe. Like, I do wonder what his position of the future will be, but, and, and I wonder if that's part of what they are looking out for, for him. This spring campaign is to see what kind of positions in the infield he can handle. And again, the infield is largely set. So it's, which is why we, when we talk about like Barger, for example, probably less likely he gets called up as well, just because the infield is largely set. 
but uh, versus like the Otto Lopez's and the Nathan Lucas's of the world that can play in the outfield, which is probably where the more pressing need is. But yeah. on the infield, or Elvis Martinez would be best served to kind of work on another position as well if they need to move him around because we talk about this a million times, but this team loves their positional versatility. Yeah, and I think I think it's a wave that's starting to spread across baseball. It used to be seen as a bad thing if you played multiple positions, but now the idea that an everyday player, kind of like DJ LeMahieu, right, could play right, multiple right. positions, I, I think that's opened up a lot of doors for guys like that. Martinez is interesting. I mean, I I feel bad for him in a way because his his skill set is like a philosophical debate in itself, like about <laughs> baseball. When people say like, do you like, or do you, or are you, do you feel promise in him or not right, is right. like says something almost about how you feel about the game and how it should be played. And it probably shouldn't be that way, but it seems to be, you know, if you love him while you, you love the Homer happy stuff and you don't care about strikeouts, if you don't like him while you're thinking about old baseball and stuff like that, and this yeah. is the way it is. The fact of the matter though, is he's hit 58 home runs over the last Ooh. two years in the minors, Yeesh. that's 216 games. First of all, uh, hitting even 20 home runs in a minor league season is actually, it's a lot bigger of a deal than hitting 20 home runs in a major league season because the guys are not home runs. nearly developed. That's insane. 58 and 216 games is a 44 home run pace in an 162 game season. Now, that's a lot of rough math to get there, but yeah, yeah. he is he is interesting. And at a certain point, he is someone, the blue Jays or another major league team is going to be very interested. I think in his services, because if you can hit home runs like that, you're at least going to get a shot. Uh, but they brought up a good point on the broadcast today with Addison Barger, likely being the everyday third baseman in Buffalo. It, it could provide an opportunity for Martinez either to move around there or to start in double a, and maybe he tries to learn positions in double a where right. there'd be a little more of a learning curve than triple a or the majors. I'll be so fascinated to see like, if he does stick at a very specific position, because I did, I honestly did think it would have been, let's say third or short, but I, I do kind of wonder now if he plays more second, for example, or if he plays elsewhere, maybe do they even give him a shot at first? Like I do, I do genuinely wonder what the plan is for him. I really think anything could happen because one thing I learned in the minor leagues last year, being at the high A level, which is the, the third lowest level, it's rookie ball, then single A, then high A is, everyone, almost everyone comes in as a shortstop or center fielder. Like the right, first right. baseman on the high A team <laughs> was playing shortstop in rookie ball. Right. Because if you weren't the shortstop, how were you going to make yeah. the majors? You know? So I do think that with a lot of guys, any door is open essentially other, other than pretty much pitcher and catcher. Every door is open for most guys. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here, Ben on Jay's talk. Uh, we haven't talked about the, the, the major league regulars. I'll give you, I'll give you dealer's choice. You want to do, Santiago Espinal continues his terrific spring talk, or do you want to get to your Dalton Varsho uh, sprinkle here? Selfishly, I might go to Varsho okay, just because Santiago Espinal is, is playing phenomenally, sure, but yeah. it does still feel like Whitmer field likely will okay, hold right. down that spot. Um, who knows? Who knows? He could be playing himself into time. Varsho today, just because it, he really, to me, kind of represented the change in the team this year to last year and kind of what they want to be. First, it started with the diving catch. I mean, it, outfield defense last year, it was a strength because of the way they schemed it, where they had four outfielders out there. But you don't put four outfielders out there because you think you have the best range possible and can cover everything. Now they can't do that. And they have really rangy, really, really intelligent outfielders. There was not a lot of time for Varsha to make that break on what was kind of just a flare to shallow left center. It, it needed speed and a good route and reaction. And he made that play. And then he came up with a big hit as well to the opposite field. And it's just th this team that 
won a lot of games and definitely was successful off a lot of power hitting right-handed hitters. Now we'll just have that little bit of a mix. You have to be worried about a lefty going the other way. You're going to be worried when you hit a ball in the gap near Varsho that it might not go down for a double. And it's, it's just a different feel that when I think of a lot of championship teams with strong defense and kind of a diversity in, in offense, like a Kansas city Royals in 2015 or the giants runs of the early 2010s, right? It's just starting to feel more like that team where it's like, they'll beat you anyway. There's any way they can do it. Whereas at times, maybe not as much last year, but at times it felt like the blue Jays were going to Homer you into a win mm-hmm. or they were going to lose the game. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like strike their way out into a loss. Yeah. I was, are they, you know, do they hit the homer with the right number of guys on base was the question before. Now, I don't feel like it has to be that way all the time. Not to mention Dalton Varsho, best bunter for base hits in Major League Baseball, potentially. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's very possible. I, I do kind of wonder about that. I I also, I, I just want to say, I I'll, I don't think Varsho plays. I don't. I, I bet he doesn't catch at all this season. I don't think it happens uh, one time. Yeah, I John Schneider said nine one one is when they would do it. Right, so I, right. I think the hope if you're a blue Jays fan, even if you were of the opinion before that Varsha would catch, they've said he's not going to. So I would say hope that he doesn't because if he does, it probably isn't good. And he hasn't worked with like, they're not preparing him to be a catcher. They're preparing him to be a left fielder and maybe a center fielder or a right fielder. He doesn't have the time to do all that and learn the pitches and the tendencies of all these guys. Uh, that's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. We've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, before we wrap up, one last message. Uh, this copyrighted broadcast is presented by Authority of Rogers Blue Jays Baseball Partnership. May not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form. And the accounts and descriptions of this game may not be disseminated without the express, the express written consent of Rogers Blue Jays Baseball Partnership or the Sportsnet Radio Network. That does it for Jays Talk. We appreciate the calls and texts. Ben and I are back next weekend. This was fun, Ben. I'll yeah. enjoy doing it with you. Going to be uh, excited for next Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on again. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. We thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball presented by Crown Rust Protection on the Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're out of here. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>